even compassion is also for the end of suffering. Not easy taught, of course, in Buddhist tradition, but all the spiritual tradition, all the mystical tradition, teach compassion. And we may wonder if compassion is not something that we have to pay for the rest, which may be good, but we still have to go through compassion because that good for others, some kind of burden that cannot be avoided. We need to develop compassion. But if we refer to what the Buddha said, it is only one thing, suffering and the end of suffering. And compassion is also for the end of suffering. Not only for the end of suffering of the other person, but for the one who is practicing compassion. So sometimes one may understand compassion with a sense of sacrifice. I will have to take care of the suffering of others. Something that I should develop, something that I should do. This is a thoughtful action of compassion. It is not something coming from the heart. When one starts to inquire into compassion, develop compassion, one may start to realize that compassion is actually a very free attitude, that it is an attitude of tenderness and serenity and goes in the sense of freedom and happiness, not in the sense of more suffering or bigger burden. Gandhi said, I have no hate for anyone anymore. I hate the British system. I hate the caste system. But I don't hate anyone anymore. At the end of his life, he said that if he should be killed by an assassin, and before dying, he will say the smallest words against the man who has killed him, then he said to his people with him, he said that you should say that Gandhi was not an adept of nonviolence. You should say that Gandhi was an imposter. One may understand reading or seeing action an attitude of people like Gandhi and others. The sense of freedom that there is. The amount of freedom that may allow one dying not to have the smallest hatred for the person who has just killed oneself. Compassion is a sign of freedom, is not a burden. Vimalakiti said that wisdom without compassion is bondage, and compassion without wisdom is bondage. 
the natural expression of wisdom is compassion. Because what present compassion, what is limiting our own mental attitude, not allowing natural compassion to arise, that is confusion. Only when there is confusion, compassion may be stopped and not arise naturally. This confusion, which is bondage. So only when there is bondage, only when there is confusion, then at this time there is no expression and no development of free compassion. Compassion is not something that we will make, that we will build up, but it is rather than by clearing the, the confusion which hinder the possibility of compassion that will make space for compassion to arise naturally. The way that we are dealing with the world in our daily life, trying to reach some type of happiness, seems not to be so successful. If we look at the world, and through this attitude that is most common to all of us, if we were to rate the amount of success in establishing happiness, we'd say that we would rate very poor. Maybe 3%, maybe not. So we are not very efficient in being happy and making others happy. Maybe the way that we are seeing ourselves and the world, maybe there is something mistaken. And if something is mistaken in our way of seeing the world, there is no way that we can reach the aim that we try to accomplish. If we see wrongly, if we have a wrong map, then we'll get lost and we'll not be able to reach our aim. So maybe the way we see the world, maybe the way we see ourselves and others, is mistaken. Therefore all our activities, numerous activities with much effort, much sincerity, to try to secure some happiness for oneself and sometimes for others, maybe this is organized or seen from the point of view of confusion. Therefore, the outcome is not a great success, maybe only three percent. So maybe a revolution needs to be made in the way that we are looking at the world, in the way we are looking at ourselves, and in the way we are looking at others. The way that we see the world has undergone through some revolution, one important one was um, when Copernicus said that the Earth was not the center of our universe, but the Sun was at the center of our universe. So it was very difficult for many people at this time to accept, because it was costing something of one's own pride before one saw that the Earth was at the middle, was the center part, was the most important part, and suddenly Somebody comes and says, that doesn't work this way. The sun is at the center and, and the earth is a very small planet just turning far away, so it's not very important. 
So that was one revolution that people had to accept to be handled by this position of the earth, not to be the center anymore. Then Darwin came and said that maybe we were not made by God, but we are just in our ancestral line, some being who are not so beautiful as we would like to see our grandmother, our grand-grandmother, our grand-grandfather. So again, the, that may have handled our own sense of being so special that we were made completely, beautifully, um, right from the wish of God. Again, we change our point of view, the view of the world, the view of ourselves has undergone some change. And then Freud came and said, well, we don't really wish and will what we will because we are not very uh, aware of our deep motivation. So when we really want to do something, maybe we are not choosing, maybe due to some conditioning, then that's what leads us to take decisions or to choose or to desire. So finally, we are even not the master in our own home. So that also we have to let go of. We see a position of much more humility, not being at the center of the universe, not being right, coming right from God's hand, and not really being a full master in one's own home. So those revolutions have brought a different view of the world, but certainly not view that has brought so much happiness. Neither did anyone of the promoter of those revolutions did pretend that it will bring happiness. So they were not strong enough to change our attitude. They were not strong enough to erase our confusion that now we'll be more successful in establishing one's own happiness and happiness for others. Maybe we need another revolution, even more dramatic than those we've appeared before. Maybe in our vision of the world, something ever, even more costing, if you wish, has to be made. So what else could we change? The great Indian writer Shantideva of the 8th century has been the promoter of even the deeper revolution and I like to speak about this deeper revolution. First he points out to this attitude that we are cultivating and that does not bring happiness. He said at the root of all suffering I know only one cause. It is the attitude of cherishing oneself. That is the root of all suffering. Without withdrawing one's hand from the fire, it is not possible to bring an end to the pain. In the same way, without withdrawing from the self-concern, it is not possible to bring an end to our suffering. So we may see that this confusion has to be cleared away. We have to develop compassion here, 
compassion is a term including the four boundless attitudes and those four boundless is love, compassion, joy and equanimity. Love is a wish to make others happy. Compassion is the wish to see others and oneself free of suffering. Joy is the wish that people who are happy will be even more happy. And equanimity is a balanced state of mind that can stay open whatever the situation is. A balanced state of mind that can stay open whatever our experience are. A state of mind which does not withdraw, does not shrink when faced with difficult situations. So those four, he will be included in what I call compassion. If we come back just to the term compassion, the wish to see other and oneself free of suffering, we may understand that to develop compassion, we can only develop compassion with respect to suffering and with respect to another being. So in order to develop compassion, we should consider the suffering of somebody else or the suffering of oneself. Only if we can consider that, then being in connection with that, can we then develop compassion. Or if you wish, only in such a situation, if we make the space for it, compassion can arise. There's no reason that compassion would arise in front of a very happy person. I wish you were be. You will be free of suffering when this person is very happy. That would be very strange. So compassion can only arise with respect to suffering. Now, if compassion does not arise, naturally, it is because we react with habitual pattern which come first when we react with the habitual pattern that is taking or coming in front that does not leave room for compassion to arise. In Buddhist psychology and maybe in other psychology it is said that it is not possible at the same time in the same mind to have two different attitudes. If it were possible at the same time in the same mind and we say same time is exactly the same time very uh, very short time if we imagine that we could have the same uh, two different attitudes of mind then we'd start to be a split personality we have two attitudes of mind then two different wishes then two different kind of thinking and then we will start to be completely split up so that is a very important element in all the cultivation of meditation that at one time only one state of mind can be in the mind therefore if we would be promoting one attitude naturally that would not leave room for another attitude to arise if that were not true then the cultivation of patience would not be opposed to impatience the cultivation of love would not oppose to the cultivation or to the um, attitude of hatred. It is because love does not 
leave room for any other attitude at this time that hatred cannot arise because when there is patience in the mind there is no room for impatience so when we are developing the mind, cultivating the mind if one attitude is in the mind then no other will be at the same time in the positive sense that's good it means that if we cultivate patience there will be no impatience but in the other sense since some of the habitual patterns come first and fast they don't allow the positive attitude to arise for the cultivation of compassion first we need to be facing suffering if we avoid facing suffering there is no room for compassion to arise not due to habitual pattern the reaction may be a reaction of aversion may be a reaction of fear and when there is fear when there is aversion there is no room for compassion so what we do in our practice we bring the space not reacting immediately with fear not reacting immediately with aversion being aware of that that we leave the space for compassion to arise there are many ways to avoid facing suffering and then to avoid feeling compassion one way is to look away from suffering we may imagine that if we saw a car accident maybe somebody being lying on the road full of blood maybe you would not like to see that it's very disturbing and maybe we uh, feel some fear therefore we will look away maybe even before seeing the person fearing that we may see the person so we just look away if we look away we don't face the suffering if we don't face the suffering compassion cannot arise <coughs> so one way of avoiding facing suffering due to fear or aversion is to look away that is quite obvious another way is to look around when we meet somebody who may be expressing a situation of much suffering then we may rather than hearing the suffering of this person we may start to consider the causes then ask many details about the causes of this suffering but it's a, a way of avoiding hearing the suffering of this person so one may wonder how did, that, how did that happen why where were you and getting so many details around and not really hearing this person who is expressing suffering one may imagine a, a young child crying and a reaction could be uh, from the parents or brother and sister to come and say oh it's nothing, it's nothing it's not very serious, it's nothing rather than just stopping and listening to the sadness or pain of this child it's just a way of being there not negating, it's nothing, it's nothing 
I remember a friend of mine was telling me he was in an airplane and um, our hostess poured some orange juice, I think, on him. And um, she came and she said, it's nothing, it's nothing, it's nothing. And so he was upset. He said, I can't say it is nothing. You can't. Because, of course, it did not happen to her. But it was a way trying to avoid the difficult situation. So she was telling to this man, you know, it's nothing, it's nothing. Although he was full of uh, orange juice. So one way avoiding the suffering by the continuation of cause. And that's very, very important. Freud said that when somebody dies, we have a strange attitude. It's like somebody has succeeded in doing some kind of magical trick because it's very strange, somebody alive suddenly not being here anymore. And he said we consider always the cause like if they could have been avoided. Or it's bad luck. Like if death was always bad luck. If one had been very careful avoiding this and that, then one would not have died this time. And strangely enough, we can see in the Buddhist tradition that this attitude, even in the highest monk, we can recognize that. When the Buddha died, people accused Ananda of not even done something to prevent him from dying, asking him to stay longer. Many Lama who died recently, we always hear stories about the servants not having done their job properly, and therefore the Lamas died. So one can accuse the poor servant, giving not clean water or whatever. It's like, because of this bad luck and this servant uh, being not careful, suddenly the Lama died. So it's again a consideration of causes rather than facing the actual situation. One way also is immediately when we are faced with suffering or somebody suffering, trying immediately to find a solution, even if it is not possible to find a solution. Starting to be busy, like if we could find a solution. That is a way to avoid facing the suffering. So the first way, due to aversion and fear, is avoiding suffering. In order to, not to avoid suffering, in order to face the suffering, equanimity will be required here. Equanimity is this attitude of mind, open to the situation. We'll see when we are developing compassion that sometimes when we are thinking about a difficult situation that we can feel the mind starting to withdraw, not wanting to face the situation. And if then we can react to this situation with equanimity, we see that the mind can stay open to this situation. We also will notice that aversion or fear is painful, while the quality of equanimity is a very serene quality. In the development of compassion, we may notice the quality of tenderness and serenity. And I believe the quality of serenity that there is in compassion come from the connecting, deep connecting 
equanimity which is linked with compassion very strong sense of balance open to any situation so avoiding the situation avoiding the suffering and another aspect of another obstacle in the development of compassion is avoiding the person that we may in some sense not feel connected to the person if we don't feel connected to the person there is no space for compassion to arise the way we don't connect with people suffering is like to see them or look at them as if they were belonging to a different space like if they were not really truly human beings we may have some category of beings that are in a sense away from a full human being a drunker drug addict or whatever we bring them into some category and then we don't connect with them this time there will be no room for compassion to arise we reduce the other to the status of an object Monroe French mystic wrote many amazing reflections about the state of other people who are suffering said affliction is anonymous it deprives its victims of their personality and make them into things things so transforming the other into objects in the spanish song popular song says nothing like being poor to be invisible so in the strange situation when people are afflicted by much suffering that finally they withdraw from the community of human being they withdraw from their own on decision on intention and in the same way they are seen as being outside of this human community why may notice when people are speaking to homeless to drunker that the way they speak will be not is not the same way as they would speak to any other normal human being as a childlike way of speaking and not very respectful way of speaking so it seems that in the situation of people who are really afflicted by much suffering that withdrawing for them withdrawing <coughs> from the group of human beings is a way not to feel so much of suffering it's a way in a sense to make themselves invisible so we people from outside react also by not seeing them and they don't want to be seen in this way we can't develop compassion so we see that the task in our development of compassion is to connect with suffering to be open to it with 
equanimity and to find a way to connect with people who are suffering not anymore to see them as things, as objects that connection can be made and then only then can compassion be arise to connect with people the, in the Buddhist tradition many ways have been taught one way is to see all being as one's own child so why do we need to transform other as one's own child is as a way to connect is exactly to answer to this tendency to reduce the other to objects in order not to fall into that then the text that you recognize them as your own child then you will feel connected another way is to see them as your friends another tradition is to see them as your mother we may understand all those means child, friend, mother are means by which we will feel connected to other and this connection will allow compassion to arise. Now Shantideva is teaching something different and that where he is really bringing a revolution. He teaches to see other as self. And I like to inquire into what does Shantideva mean when he said to see other as oneself. one who wishes to protect oneself and other quickly should practice exchanging oneself for other which is a great mystery so it's exchanging oneself for other and we may wonder what does he mean by that exchanging self for other often it is understood one will exchange one's own happiness for the suffering of other so it's not really self and other which are exchanged it's possession if you wish or quality my happiness I will give and I will take other suffering which is fine to understand this way and I should say most of the commentary on this text by Shantideva understand this way we take the suffering of other and we give our own happiness that's what is being exchanged that is something of course different but is not really a strong revolution Shantideva gives indication to what does he mean by that so exactly how we through the power of habituation we have developed the sense of self with respect to a body which comes from self from the mother and father who are completely other, completely other. and then the body is developed through food and oxygen but we develop the sense of self with respect to that which is completely other so why not then develop the same sense of self with respect to the body of another since it is exactly the same in the same way it is other and as one see or one experience the other with the sense of otherness then we will experience ourselves the sense of otherness because it is also other so that's the revolution that Shantideva is 
bringing a strong Copernican revolution. We have to understand exactly what he means by that. In psychology, sometimes you have drawings where they can be seen in two ways. Either the background, uh, one part is the background, the other part is maybe the figure, and then you may switch and see, on the contrary, the figure has a background, and the background has a figure. Two ways of seeing the same. And usually one can't see at the same time both ways, so one see one way, and maybe people come and say, oh, I see the other way, and one try, and one doesn't, and one can't, and then suddenly there's a shift in one see. So here, it's like we, first we have a figure, and then all the other are the background, so then the, we practice a shift, and we become the background, and all the other becomes the figure. What is amazing in Shantideva's revolution, that when we can shift the sense of self and other, it means that we are going to develop the sense of otherness with respect to ourselves, and develop the sense of self with respect to other, that we are so much conditioned with the concept and notion of self, that all our interests, all our consideration, will follow exactly what the sense of self is. Which means that all the habitual patterns, negative habitual patterns, suddenly will be not for the sake of the meditator, but will be for the sake of the other experimental self, and therefore they will turn into virtue. So rather than trying to break all the habitual patterns one by one, by this shift, all the negative habitual patterns transform into virtues. That's why he called that the great mystery. Just by changing that, in some mystical tradition, people are asked to see everybody else, maybe as Christ, but here, the mystic a trick is to see the other as self. And that does completely change all the habitual patterns, transform them at once, when this shift is made. Everything follows by itself. Of course, it is an amazing revolution. One may feel it is very costly, going to cost my sense of self. One may wonder, am I not going to lose very much in that? If one starts to explore that, one would experience and see that what one is losing in that is bondage rather than a sense of losing something very precious, one feels that one is being unburdened, deeply unburdened. And a sense of freedom comes that we may understand why Gandhi said that before dying. We may see that that is the supreme mystery to make oneself another happy. When Chanti Deva said that it was not just matter of speaking, beautifully for his book, for poetry, but certainly from a deep experience of this practice. 
So I like to explore with you this shift. It's not always easy to to understand, but during the few days I will come again and, and try to describe it that we may slowly, hopefully understand and experience what this shift is about, exchanging self for others. Now, when we are going to exchange self for others, it doesn't mean that we will start to see ourselves from another point of view. We as a meditator are made of different aggregates, body, matter, and mind, thinking, emotion, perception. All that, all that is going to stay with the meditator and all the quality of the other, or of the other, when we are considering a person, will stay with the other person. Only that which will be shifted is the sense of self and the sense of other. Let's imagine that we, we are at a party, and two persons come in the party, and one is a boss and the other is a secretary, and for some reason, you have important business to do with the boss. Maybe you try to get a job or something. This person is very important for you. So you will see those two persons, one as a boss and the other as a secretary. And they come in, you've never seen them before. And uh, maybe you will relate to them in a specific way, both way and secretary way. And then during the evening, you learn that you are mistaken. They were the contrary. The boss was actually the secretary, and the secretary was the boss. So now you start to see them differently. So what has been shifted there is only the way of seeing, the projection of boss and secretary, but no quality has been changed from one to the other. The quality is exactly the same, the quality <coughs> and the way those persons look and the way they, they speak or they think. Nothing has changed, only the way that one is seeing them. When we are shifting sense of self for others, exactly in the same way. Only, only, the way of seeing, is not seeing with the eyes, we are not transforming the aspect of the appearance of the other, but the way of feeling. Now we will feel self with respect to another person, and feel other with respect to the meditator. Exactly as we have shifted at some point, for some reason, the, the way of seeing those two persons. When we can make this shift, then immediately we will feel concern for this person experience with a sense of self. That is a strong power of habitual pattern. But at this time, they will work for our own freedom, they will work for our own happiness and the happiness of the other person. We refer to what Shantideva said first at the root of all suffering, I know only one cause. It's the attitude of cherishing oneself. Now we see that this attitude of cherishing oneself is the root of all happiness, providing we have changed the location of the self. So we don't need to fight that, we just change the location. And this is very powerful very powerful if one understands the shift. 
all the habitual patterns will then go into a direction of more happiness, of less bondage. Just experiencing the other with sense of self and experiencing oneself with sense of otherness. The difficulty when we are practicing that is we are so used to connect our sense of self with some of our qualities. When I say that, shifting sense of self for others, some meditator may believe that one try, one start to see, let's imagine we take one person to start with, one neutral person in front of us, that we may make the shift. Some people may believe that now I'm going to look at this person and this person is going to have my shape. But you see what's happening there. I am so used to connect the sense of self with maybe the way I appear that I am taking along with this shift. Something is sticking there with the sense of self and it is my appearance. The danger is that we are going to stick along with the sense of self, something of our quality that we try to put on to the other person with the sense of self. But nothing is going to stick with the sense of self, only the sense of self. No form, shape, emotion, quality, nothing will be shifted onto the other person, only the sense of self. I'm not going, when I develop the sense of otherness with respect to the meditator, then I'm not going suddenly to appear differently, to think differently, to feel differently. Only there will be the sense of otherness there. When I develop the sense of otherness with respect to the meditator, naturally there is much less attachment, less concern. In this context of the shift, for other, then we'll practice Tonglen, which is taking the suffering of other and giving happiness. When we can start to feel the sense of self with respect to other, and the sense of other with respect to the meditator, and this time, then we will give all the qualities, virtues, possession of the meditator to other. Experience ourselves. So more we give, more we feel we are receiving. Then with this sense of self with respect to other and other with respect to the meditator, then we'll take the suffering of other. And more we take the suffering as a meditator, more we feel that we are being unburdened because our concern is with the other experience ourselves. In this sense, the practice of compassion generosity and love become a practice of freedom and being unburdened. So let's just try. I'll, if you like to close your eyes, I will just guide you through the shift that um, you may start to explore. Not usually one does usually not understand it immediately when overdo or underdo. But we'll try, and I will guide you for the few days, that you may understand exactly what is meant by this shift.
first we start by imagining a neutral person in front of us. So don't look too much for a neutral person if you feel that all are either slightly negative or slightly positive, it doesn't matter. But not taking somebody that you are too much connected with, that there will be too much attachment or too much aversion. So imagine a neutral person in front of you. Now see in the sense of otherness with respect to this person. Actually you don't really care. Whatever happened to this person doesn't concern you. Just a sense of otherness. Now apply this sense of otherness with respect to you, the meditator. Just another person, another meditator. And develop a sense of self with respect to this neutral person. Now not by transforming the appearance of this person, rather by a way of feeling. It could be me, under a different circumstance. It could be me. Just try to feel, although this person is completely look different than the meditator, yet it could be me. Just feeling from your heart, but transforming the appearance of this person. This shift actually happen at the same time. Means that as much as you can feel a sense of otherness with respect to the meditator, there will be some space to feel a sense of self with respect to this other person. If there is still a strong sense of self with respect to the meditator, then it is difficult to experience this sense of self with respect to this neutral person. Two sense of self do not really happen at the same time, it's difficult. Once you the problem, come back to the sense of otherness with respect to the meditator. And then try to feel the sense of self with respect to this neutral person.
Let me try a few patterns, natural patterns. And if it is difficult, back to the sense of otherness with respect to the meditator, in order to free the self that you can then experience it with respect to this neutral person. space by developing the sense of otherness with respect to the meditator. This will free the sense of self. Then you can experience it with respect to a natural person, then another, then another. just guide you slightly further in our practice that you may understand how it will be working even if though you have some difficulty now to make this shift then you may imagine a homeless person maybe a person in the street begging you may develop the sense of self with respect to this person sense of self with respect to this person and also you feel concerned for this person. And you may start to give away possession belonging, happiness to this person expense with a sense of self. person is receiving, she or he is becoming happy. 
give away the belonging position happiness of the meditator who care about this other. This homeless person experience with a sense of self, receiving happiness, possession, becoming more and more happy. practice taking the suffering of others in a similar way. Not just to end this session, we may just share the merit with all sentient beings that they may develop love, compassion and wisdom. And awaken. <laughs> 